0: reading chapter 15 verses 50 through 58. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit cor- incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery: We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible shall put on incorruption, and this mortal shall put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, for this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory." Oh death, where is your sting? Or Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Today we're going to learn five lessons from Paul. We're going to learn five lessons from Paul in these verses, from verses 50 through 58. Five lessons from Paul. And these lessons are lessons for us so we would have hope we would have hope in a hopeless world and and not only to have hope but also to know how we should be living our lives now as we know in the near future we are going to be enraptured and be with jesus that's your future and as i prayed it's not wishful thinking it's biblical thinking and this is going to happen oh you have a future beloved And I love how Paul begins in verse 50 and ends in verse 58 saying, beloved, because it's important to know that you are the beloved of Christ. You are the beloved of the Lord. So beloved of the Lord. There's five lessons that we are going to be learning today in this portion of scripture. Number one, number one, we're going to see this in verse 50, that we will inherit the kingdom of God we will inherit the kingdom of God. Notice verse 50 with me for where it says, now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. So what is Paul saying here? Well, Paul is saying that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And the reason why Paul states that is because Heaven is not made for the kind of bodies that we have now. Right now, you and I, we have bodies of flesh and blood. And the way our earthly bodies were created, they were not designed to be in the heavenly realm. Now, our soul is. For the Bible says clearly in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8, to be absent from the body, because flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, but to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We will inherit the kingdom of God. Because we need a transformed body, it reminds us that we also face limitations. And not only those that have disabilities, we also face limitations. And we long, I don't know about you, and I know you do, We all long for a new, transformed body. And it's going to happen. It's going to happen. With those um, in respect to disabilities that they have, I have to mention to you, they have amazing abilities. Amazing abilities. Not disabilities, amazing abilities. And we can learn valuable lessons from them, can't we? Secondly, I'd like to point out a second lesson that we can learn from Paul in this portion of Scripture, number two. And this is found in verses 51 and 52, that we shall all be changed. We shall all be changed. This is so important to know. We're going to be changed. You and I are going to be changed. Notice that with me in verses 51 and 52. Paul states, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. But we shall all, notice all, we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, in the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible. And we, that's us, and we shall be changed. He says this is a mystery in verse 51. This is a mystery that we should all not sleep but be changed. Now what does the word mystery mean in the Bible? Well, you could circle the word mystery right there and you could note down that mystery means truth that was hidden in the past but now is revealed. Truth that was hidden in the past, but now it's revealed. And Jesus Jesus is the one. He's the one that has revealed this truth. How this transformation will take place. This transformation when we will not sleep. But we're going to be transformed. We're going to inherit the kingdom of God. We're going to be changed. It's going to come when the trumpet is blown. It's going to happen when the trumpet is blown. Now you may wonder with me. Why a trumpet? Why blowing a trumpet? Why blowing a trumpet? Well it is because. Trumpets are blown. Notice this. Trumpets are blown to signal the start of an extraordinary event. Trumpets are always blown to signal a start of an extraordinary event. Jesus is coming. I know that was a weak trumpet sound. I was contemplating to have it played in the very back or someone blowing a trumpet. We do that. You hear that. Someone blows a trumpet. Something extraordinary is going down. It's going to happen. The trumpet is going to sound. Oh, keep your ears attuned to the trumpet sound. And when that takes place, it's going to be in a moment. The Bible says it's going to be in the twinkling of an eye. That's fast. It's fast. It is fast. Humor me for one second. Okay, we'll humor you. Twinkle your eye real quick on three. One, two, three. Twinkle. Boom. That's it. The twinkling of an eye in a moment. That trumpet's gonna sound. And we're done here on earth. We're gonna be inheriting the kingdom of God. We're gonna be with the Lord. We're gonna be changed. Now in verse 52, notice this with me, beloved of the Lord. It's named, it's named in verse 52: two people groups that will be gathered together. To the Lord, two people groups that will be gathered together to the Lord. In 52, verse 52, notice number one, you could write down number one, it says that when the trumpet sounds, number one, the dead will be raised, the dead will be raised. And number two, right next to it, also in verse 52, notice with me, it says, "And we, that's us, and we shall be changed. The body of Christ that are still alive, that's us. We're still alive. We shall meet the Lord. We shall be with the Lord when that trumpet sounds. Now, there's more detail about the, the dead will be raised, and we that are alive will be changed. There's more detail uh, about that, how that was going to look and step by step. I, I'm a kind of practical guy that I, I, I think I am. I like steps. That's why I always teach this way. Here's five ways or four steps or two steps and That's how my mind thinks. So what I want to do for you, if I may, if um, you would notice the book of 1 Thessalonians, we're going to put up on our screen, chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. And the reason why I'm going to point you in that direction is because Paul, there in the book of 1 Thessalonians, Thessalonians, he gives more of a step-by-step process on how the dead is going to be raised and also how we that are still on earth, that we are going to be changed. And that's in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. This is important. This is important. This is your future. So it's important to know about your future, right? The book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. turn there myself but keep your place in the book of of first corinthians if you want to turn there also starting at verse 13 but i don't want you to be ignorant the word ignorant there means without knowledge the lord wants us to have knowledge my people perish because of lack of what lack of knowledge so we we need to know we need to know what's going on right So in the future, when we go with the Lord, we need to know like, hey, yeah, I knew this was going to take place. You don't want to be up there with the Lord and like, I didn't know this was going to take place. Okay, so I want you to be, uh, I don't want you to be without knowledge or ignorant. Brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. And I love that, that fall asleep, which implies that they're going to wake up. Our loved ones that have fallen asleep, they're going to wake up. And they're going to wake up when, when the trumpet sounds. Least you sorrow as others who have no hope. So it's important to have this biblical information on what's going to happen so you don't sorrow, but you have hope. Within the believer, yes, we, we, we do sorrow because we miss our loved ones, but at the same time, the, the, the emotion of sorrow is mixed together with hope, with hope. And hope biblically is certainly going to be taking place in the near future. It's not like, you know, I, I hope the, 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 uh, the Dodgers win, And the Astros get their trophy taken away. So it's not that (laughs) kind of hope. It's not that kind of hope. This is going to certainly take place. Verse 14. But if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, so our our loved ones believe that, see? And you believe that too, right? So if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him, here it goes, those who are asleep in Jesus, it's going to wake up. Wake up! Like this morning, I went in my daughter's room and I'm like, "Honey, wake up!" So, oh, okay, yeah, wake up. But, but I thought they're with the Lord. Yes, and that's so beautiful to be absent from the body is to be with the Lord. So as soon as a believer, uh, uh, Jesus calls them home and say, "My son, my daughter, it's time to come home." I remember when, I, I, back, back in the day, uh, and some of you were that way too. We didn't have the video games. Um, Atari was just being introduced during that time. You guys remember Atari? Okay, yeah, it's just Barry being introduced that time. My mom would go on the front porch and call us home. Joseph, it's time to come home. Dinner's ready. Jesus is going to call you home. It's time to come home, to come to the marriage feast of the Lamb. Dinner's ready. And I hope at dinner we're going to have some carne asada, by the way. Some beans and rice. Jesus Christ is going to be there. That's why. Beans and rice, Jesus Christ. I know I've said that so many times, and one of my kids said, "Gotta stop saying that. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. it's all right. So we believe that Jesus Christ and those that are asleep will be in him. So. So the soul goes to be with Jesus instantaneously, to be, ab- to be asked for the body to be present with the Lord. Present means instantaneously. As soon as they close their eyes to this world, instantaneously they're with Jesus, or ushered into his presence. Now the body, now the body is, is, is in one of the, the, the graves or our bodies are, are were uh, cremated. My father's body uh, was cremated. His ashes were, were, spread, uh, were spread out in, in the sea. And so, so all the ashes that were spread on the sea or wherever that they were spread out, it's going to be amazing when that trumpet blows. It's going to be amazing how all the, the, uh, the bodies that were laid, and, and I'm, as, a, as a pastor, I officiate a whole lot of, in my ministerial life, I, at least over 1,000 services. Um, and you know what's interesting? Uh, if you go to um, any cemetery, you'll notice uh, where the headstones are placed, or the, they call them markers also, they're always placed in the, in the same um, location, meaning that they're all face uh, uh, like west because they're going to be facing east when Jesus comes. He's going to come back, and then all those uh, bodies are going to be facing Jesus and going to see him face to face. So, so uh, now this is a, a mystery that hasn't been revealed. It's it's um, interesting. Bible scholars they kick this around all this time. How this is going to take place? I mean, they could go to Starbucks and spend. Uh, you know, drinking coffee to discuss how this going to take place. No one knows, we just know it's going to take place. That mystery is when, because the soul's with the Lord right now, right? And how the body and the soul's going to meet again. We don't know how that's going to take place, but we know it's going to take place, so I'm I'm good with that. So, for those that, uh, uh, for those, we believe that Jesus died and rose again, verse 14, so even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this for this we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive. Okay, that's us now. That's us. That's us right now. It's important. This is your future and, uh, and alive and remain until the coming of the, the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. So those who are asleep, they go first. And then right away, then we go next. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of an archangel and again with the trumpet of God. Here we go, because something extraordinary is going to be taking place. And the dead in Christ, they're going to rise first. Then we who are alive and remain, we're going to be caught up. Circle that word together. That word together, you need to know that word. You're going to be with them. That word together. May that word together, may you hold on to that word until the trumpet is blown, you are going to be together again. So important to know for, for you. Together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. So in a biblical sense, the, the right way when we, when we say to our loved one, that we'll, it's, it's proper to say, we will see you later. We'll see you later. Dad, I'm going to see you later in the, in the clouds, in the air. I'll see you later in the air. That's biblical. So when you go and, and you, you say your last goodbye, it's really not a last goodbye. It's, I'll see you later in the air because we're going to be together again. Don't forget that last part. I'll see you later in the air for we are going to be together again. That's so deep. I mean, you could get that tattooed on your arm. (laughs) Because it's truth that's going to happen. And because that's truth, it's going to happen. Notice verse 18. Therefore, therefore means because of this truth, because of this truth, what what are we supposed to do? Comfort one another with these words. How do you comfort one another with these words? If you know someone where their loved one is not here anymore, you share with them, oh, you're going to see them later in the air, and you guys are going to be together again. That's how you comfort them. Truth sets people free, not only mentally, but emotionally, too. And you hang on truth, and you hang on truth because truth is an anchor for us. It keeps us stable because we get storms. Our emotions kind of deceive us, and so you you hold on to these, these truths. It's so, so, so important. Now, if you would note, down, I, I think this is really important, okay? So we're, we're with the Lord in, in the air. Now, what takes place next? What's the next steps are gonna happen? Because it, it's important to know our future, right? So I'm gonna share with you now the, the sequence of events, our, our, our future sequence of events. There's a few of them. There, there's a few of them. Number one, and we'll put this on the screen. I think this will be on the screen too. Number one, the trumpet will sound, right? Number one, the trumpet will sound and we will all be reunited with Christ, our loved ones and us. So that's gonna take place. You need to know your future, right? So that's gonna take place. Number two, we're going to go to the marriage feast of the Lamb. So we're, we're together in heaven. We're gonna be reunited with our loved ones. We're gonna be with Jesus. And, and then it's time, it's time, time for dinner, we're going to eat dinner, and I, again, I already told you uh, I, I have my desired um, food, <laughs> but, but Jesus, we're going to have the perfect food. We're going to be with him, and guess who I'm going to sit next to? I'm going to sit next to Jesus. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know who's going to sit next to Jesus, but I'm going to sit next to my dad again. I haven't sat next to him since I was 12. And I know some of you haven't sat next to your loved ones since whatever, since when? You're going to sit next to them again. That's truth. That's hope that we hold onto. Then we have the bema seat. What is the bema seat? The bema seat is 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 um, an award ceremony. I know with 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 my 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 kids, I've attended uh, a number of award ceremonies. I like award ceremonies. I like when, when, when their name gets called. They call their, their name and, and you get rewarded for the service that you did here on earth. Now, I, I don't get that part because the Lord is the one that called us to himself, right? The Lord is the one that gave us the gifts and talents. He gave us the three T's. He gave us time that we get back to him. He gave us our talents that we get back to him. He gave us the treasures that we get back to him because as we seek him first, we, we sought him first with those three T's and then he's going to reward us. He gives us time, talent, and treasures and then we gave them right back to him and then we get rewarded for them. That's going to take place. Now, uh, I, I text, uh, some of you know Don Stewart and Don Stewart will be with us on um, uh in a few weeks, I, I text him because I want to make sure I have my sequence of events order. I said, so Don, is the marriage feast of the Lamb first or the Bema Seat? And he says, you know, it, it's unsure. So it's gonna take place, so it's either when we meet our, our loved ones in the air, either we're gonna to go to the Bema Seat um, or we're gonna have the marriage feast. It's, it's either, it's both is gonna happen. But I know down on earth when we do a war ceremony, it's not that it's, it's the same way in heaven. We normally, if you go to a awards ceremony, a football banquet, or what have you, normally we eat first, and then we have the word service. Some of you guys, you have kids that play soccer and baseball and all that. No, you eat the pizza first at Michelangelo's, and then, and then you, get, you get the, the, the word. So, but not that it's going to take place in, in heaven that way. But we will eat, and we will have a baby. We know it's going to take place. And then we're going to enjoy our loved ones for seven years. And then meanwhile, here's the next step. Meanwhile, in the seven years, what's taking place down on earth? It starts with the T, the tribulation, right? And so the the tribulation is, is taking place on, on earth. We're not part of it. We're with the Lord. He didn't call his people to wrath or anger. You know, Noah w- w- was saved from the flood. We're saved from the flood of the wrath. And so we're with the Lord. So now we're with the Lord, we're enjoying Jesus, our, our loved ones again, we're interacting with David in the Bible, Esther in the Bible, Ruth, we're like, what's up, Ruth, high five, girl, and then, you know, Joseph, and, you know, we're just enjoying heaven, we're, we're seeing them worship Jesus day and night, and it's a glorious time, and then the seven-year period ends, Boom now what is called what's going to happen is is the 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 war what is called you ever heard of the term armageddon okay now turn with me uh, to the last book keep your keep your, your finger in the book of uh, corinthians cuz we're going to go back to corinthians but go to the last book of the bible this is this is interesting this is your future it's important to know your future so turn to the last book of the bible to the book of uh, revelation 19 So we have been with Jesus for seven years, right? We're enjoying Him, we're worshiping Him, we're we're, we're telling Him how much we love Him. We're catching up with our family members. They're showing us around because they've been there before us, and um, and they they're saying, "Hey, look at this. Hey, watch that. This is gonna happen." And, and so your loved one they they got they got it all prepared for you. And Jesus went to prepare a place for us, and where He is, we shall be with Him also. It's a place where, where we'll be with the Lord, and so they'll show us around. And, um, and they can't wait, um, and so it's going to be glorious. So now, um, you're at Revelation 19 now, right? This is so, I love this. I was telling my wife, I can't wait to share this. This is so exciting, what's going to be taking place next. Okay, so notice with me uh, verse 11, verse 11, uh, Revelation 19, verse 11. So now, now is um, a- after the seven year. Now, I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, a white horse. Remember when Jesus came, he came on a what? First in Jerusalem, he came in on what? A donkey? A donkey, it, it, it symbolizes humility, peace, hum, being humble. He came for the brokenhearted. He came. Now, that, now when he comes back, he's coming back with a horse, baby. It's, it's on. He's coming back with a horse. And um, so he come with a white horse, and he who sat on it, oh, he who sat on it. You know his name is? Faithful. Jesus is faithful and true and in righteousness. He judges and makes war. That's verse 11. Drop down to verse 14 now. Verse 14, same chapter. And the armies in heaven clothed. We clothed in the fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses Guess who the armies in heaven that's clothed in fine linen and white and clean followed? Guess who that is? You and me. You and me. We're clothed with the righteousness of Jesus. His blood, uh, because of his blood, we, we are uh, scarlet, white as snow. And, and we're clothed with fine linen, white, and we're clean because of the blood of the Lamb. We're going to follow him on white horses. And I I already told you this. I already got my horse named. (laughs) My horse's name is Lightning. (laughs) My horse is going to beat your horse. (laughs) So followed him on white horses. Now drop down to verse 16. Back to Jesus. And And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written. On his robe, Jesus' name on his robe is going to be written, what? King of kings and Lord of lords. He's king of kings, he's Lord of lords. He's going to come down saying, I'm the king of kings and Lord of lords. Every knee will bow, every tongue confess, I'm the king. You, you, all you want to build your kingdom still on earth? uh Uh-uh, I'm the king of kings and Lord of lords. He's going to come down and the beast and his armies are what? Defeated. Drop down to verse 19. And I saw the, the beast, the kings of the earth, and their armies gather together to make war against him. They're, trying to, they're gonna all gather together. They're all gonna join forces and make war against him who sat up on the horse and against his army. They're gonna try to make war against his army. That's us. You don't mess with God's children. You know what Jesus is going to do? Uh, notice verse uh, now 20. Then the beast was captured and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. Now, Who is the false prophet? Who is he referring to? That's the the, the, the Antichrist. That's the Antichrist. The Antichrist, he deceived a lot of people. So there's going to be a day when there will be an Antichrist. Antichrist obviously means the opposite of Christ. Jesus is true. Antichrist is false and shares lies. Notice now verse 21. This is so rad on how this is going to take place. Notice verse 21. And the rest were killed, notice how they were killed, with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him. The word of God is alive and it's active like a double-edged, what? Sword. So Jesus, oh, this is cool. Okay, so Jesus is there on his horse. We're behind him. And well, come on, get it up, get it up. Come on, lightning, come on. Beat my son's horse, come on. Here we go, <laughs> here we go, yeah, there we go. And they're like all going to join forces, and they're going to come and try to knock out Jesus and us. And Jesus say, "Uh uh-uh, uh uh uh, that ain't going to happen." Watch this, boom! Speaks his word, and they're all taken out. The word of Jesus is alive and powerful. May the word of Jesus always speak to you every day. Notice verse twenty-one, and the rest were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse. And notice this, then all the birds were filled with their flesh. So all the birds were like, lunch. <laughs> and so all, all the birds um, ate, ate, ate away. Now, write down this, this verse. This is an important verse because this ties into this. Write down Zechariah 14:3. Zechariah 14:3. This verse is so important. Zechariah 14:3 says, as he fights on the day of battle. So this is a day of battle. As he fights on the day of battle, on that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem. And the Mount of Olives will be split in two from east to west. So Jesus comes back on his horse, right? We're right behind him, right? They join forces. They try to take out Jesus. Jesus speaks, right? Takes him out. And then Jesus comes back, and according to Zechariah fourteen three, He's going to stand on a mount of, of, of Olives, and it's going to split. Now, here, here's this. Next year, you're all going to Jerusalem with us. This where this war of Armageddon is. Our our the director takes us to that place. You will see with your own eyes the place. Of this war is going to be out it's a big giant area i've been there three times myself and you know what's so interesting the the, the people in um there and w- where the um where this is going to be taking place at where all the they're going to be taken out and birds are going to come and eat their bodies and it's going to be just a bloody place um they're still scratching their heads because they've been trying to buy that property for a long time this area to like build real estate and and, and other means to to make money and it cannot ever sell because that place has been set aside for when all people are going to come against Jesus and you're going to be right there and you're going to see with your own eyes. And what that does, it totally solidifies your faith. You believe this is going to happen because the Bible says it's going to happen. But when you see with your eyes, you're like crazy. That's the spot where this is going to go down. And then when we go there, we're going to open up to revelation 19 and we're going to read that portion of scripture. And we're like, we're right here. We're like, We're right here. This is a spot where this takes place at. Not only that, but the place in Zechariah chapter 14, verse 3, when Jesus is going to stand down on the the Mount of Olives, east of Jerusalem, you're going to see that spot too. And that's crazy. It's crazy to think, my goodness, in the near future, I'm going to be right there with Jesus. I'm going to be there. Right? That's why when you enter in Jerusalem, it's like, and you're, you're going to see this. Those have, I know a few of you have been there before. As soon as you step into Jerusalem and the, 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 or, or the bus gets there and the, and the guy says you're in Jerusalem, there is a sense that you are home. There is a sense that you are home already. And those that have been there, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? It's true. Why? Because you're going to be there. It's crazy and it's biblical, and it's not wishful thinking, it's, gonna, it's going to happen. Then what takes place next now? Then after that, then we know that um, this is actually uh, number six. Satan is bound for 1,000 years, and as he's bound for 1,000 years, um, then, then the, the, the final uh, judgment will take place for the Christ-rejecting people. The final judgment will take place for the Christ-rejecting people. Then finally, then finally, this is actually number seven, the New Jerusalem will be established. So that's it. That, that's how it's going to go. That's your future. This is going to unfold. And it all begins when that trumpet sounds. And so Paul wants us to know these series of events. Why does Paul want, want us to, to know these events when we're going to be enraptured with Jesus? Why? So we could have a deep seated comfort and confidence, and we could live life not being hopeless but hopeful that we're going to be with, with the Lord. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29, verse 11, you know this verse, for I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a hope in the future. You have a hope in the future. Now, would you get back to First uh, Corinthians, chapter 15, with me? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I just, I just thought that this was important just to walk with you step by step about your future on what's going to unfold, and share it with other people. Share it with other people, because I, I believe that there's many believers out there. They don't know their future. They don't know how it's going to unfold, and this is how it's going to unfold. Now, number three, the third lesson that we learned from Paul in, these, in this portion of Scripture, verses 53 through 56. That death has no power over us. Verses 53 uh, through uh, 56. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So this corruptible has put on incorruption, this mortal has put on immortality, Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Or Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. So death has no power over us. Because of Christ's resurrection, because of Jesus, because Jesus rose from the grave, he broke the power of death. And because he broke the back of death, death no longer, this is so important, beloved of the Lord, death is no longer has a mastery over us, no longer masters us. The sting of death is completely gone. The sting of death is completely gone. It can't sting us. And I'm here to let you know Your loved one was not stung by the sting of death. It didn't sting our loved ones. I share this story with you, and it's one of my favorite stories to to share with you. There was a dad that he spent some time uh, with his son. He told his son, Son, we're going to spend a day together. Get get in the truck, and and we're going to take a drive. So they both opened up uh, the, the, the door. They sat in their truck, and uh, the boy didn't realize when he opened up his door, there was a bee that snuck in. So they're driving, right? They're driving, and Dad's just cruising along, having a good time, talking with his little mijo. You know, so they're there talking and having a good time, and then the boy, like, flips out. Dad! 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 There's a bee! There's a bee there! It's gonna get me! It's gonna sting me! It's gonna kill me! Oh, Dad, Dad! And so the bee was right there, And like a good dad would do, the dad moved his hand, right? Of course, kept his hand on the stern wheel, too, because he's a cool dad. Moved his hand, right? Grabbed the bee. He grabbed the bee. He pulled out the stinger in his hand. And And the bee was still flying around. Daddy's still flying around. And he told his son, son, look, the sting is in my hand. It can't get you. It can't sting you. Jesus was pierced in his hand. As Jesus was pierced in his hand, he took care of the sting of death. It can't get to us. The sting of death for a believer, it can't happen. And it didn't sting them. And this was accomplished. The Lord accomplished this In at least two ways, how he took out death and how he redeemed us. Number one, he redeemed us from the curse of the law because it speaks in that portion of scripture that we read that there was a law. We're not gonna die. He took care of the curse of the law. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law having become a curse for us. And number two, he bore our sins on the cross. He bore our sins on the cross. He took care of us. He took care of the law. He took care of our sins. He took care of it all. In the book of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the cross, that we, having died to sin, might live righteously. So as we live life now in the 21st century, we live with hope. We live clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Now, death for a believer, it's no longer a source of being dreadful or or being in fear, or living in fear. It's not an end. It's a new beginning that will last forever and ever and ever and ever. So when we see death or see our loved one, we're not dreadful. We're hopeful because we will be reunited. Yes, we will miss them, no doubt. Those are happy memories. And when we keep memories, you know, the Bible speaks about having stones of remembrance, right, in the book of Joshua. We remember, and we remember them, and we remember how we're better people, richer people because of them, their sacrifice, and all the beautiful attributes that they, they showed us, not only showed us, lived it out amongst us. And, and, and we, we kind of live in their honor, and the, the memories are definitely alive upon the tablets of our heart and our mind, no doubt about that. And so we, we live, we live knowing that it's a new beginning forever and ever. You ever heard of the name Sigmund Freud? Sigmund Freud was completely wrong when he said, And finally, there is a painful riddle of death for which no remedy at all has yet been found, nor probably. Ever will be. Sorry, Sigmund. There is a remedy. His name is Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's a Lamb of God who faced death and death lost. Sorry, death. You lost, homie. <laughs> Jesus is the victory. I love this hymn. And the, some of you know, I, I love listening to hymns. And hymns are so deep. And I think that oh, it will be good for uh, worship people to uh, bring these hymns back to contemporary type of of beat. I mean, some rappers, you know, rap rap some hymn, you know, and bring it to the state of our, you know, it's good to know the the state that we're, we're living in, but hymns are deep. Listen to this hymn. Oh, victory in Jesus, our Savior forever. He sought me, he bought me with his redeeming blood. He rescued me to victory victory in Jesus when you're going through a hard time maybe uh, you had to say goodbye to a loved one sing that hymn remind yourself remind your, your emotions of truth remind your mind of truth now number four we have two more left number four in verse 57 because of Jesus' victory we praise God daily we praise God daily notice verse 57 with me But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Victory is not about a man. Victory is not about me, a minister, a pastor, not at all. You know what I am? I am a mailman. That's who I am. That's my new title, mailman. I'm just delivering his message, his word. Victory is through Jesus Victory is through Jesus. We praise Him. Because of the victory of Jesus, we and those that are in Christ will always live, will always live. Jesus said in John chapter 14 verse 19, Jesus said, "Because I live, you shall also." And that's a good verse to, to read over 11 that we're going to say goodbye to. Jesus said, "cause I live." you will be living also. Here's another hymn. Sorry. That's hymn for the day. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth The living. Just because he lives, I can face tomorrow. I have a future and I have a hope, and I'm going to be reunited. As we conclude now with the fifth um, encouragement from Paul, found in verse 58, Paul gives instructions to the church, or he causes his church to have these instructions. Number we're going to see these instructions from Paul. Meanwhile, what are we to do? We, we are still living. What are we to do? Verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, we're now to be steadfast and memorable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain of the Lord. So this is what we're called to do. This is our marching orders. If you want to know what the Lord requires of you to see clearly what God wants you to do, there, there there's four steps that God wants us to do. And especially for those that um, recently you, you said goodbye to your loved one, what are you to do now? Because somebody, a natural question is, you, you could say, now what? Now what? Now, now what? Paul will say in verse 58 four things. Paul will say four things, now what? He says, be steadfast. I want you to be steadfast now. Steadfast means being seated, being Firmly settled and seated. We are seated wearing a robe of righteousness. We are seated with our mind and our heart firmly settled in the foundation of truth of scripture. Number two, now what? We are to be immovable. We're to be immovable. What does it mean to be immovable? Well, it carries the idea of being totally immobile. That means that no, no one can cause you to move. You're not going to drift away. You're not going to float away. You're not going to be overwhelmed. Why? Because you are anchored in Jesus. And when you're anchored in Christ, you're going to be immovable. You're going to be okay. I'm here to let you know you are going to be okay when it feels like you're not going to be okay. Okay? Because when the Lord holds you, he holds you, and you are secure in Christ. And number three, now what? We're to use our time now to advance the kingdom, to abound in the work of the Lord by praying, by serving, by by giving to others, teaching lessons that we have learned, and we teach it to other peoples. Abounding means to have an overflow, to have an overflow or overdoing for the Lord. You are a part of, to move the mission of the needle of the Lord forward to further his kingdom as we are co laborers with Christ. We abound in the work of the Lord. And abound in the work of the Lord, it, it could look in different ways how the Lord has called you to abound in the work. But you're to abound it. You're to move the, the, the mission needle forward in the Lord to further his kingdom. That's what we're supposed to do. And that's your purpose statement in life. Your purpose statement in life is this. To know him and to make him known. You could actually, you know, some people, that they, they have their, they, their email and they put like a little saying at the bottom of it. You can make that your purpose statement, your email, to know him and to make him known. That's what, my, that's what my life's all about. What makes me tick is to know him and make him known. And lastly, number four, know that your labor is not in vain because it's in the Lord. What's done in the Lord is never in vain. It's not in vain because it's done in the Lord and it's for the sake of eternity. When you serve the Lord, you are truly laying your treasures in heaven. You're laying your treasures in heaven with your time that God gave you. You're laying your treasures in heaven with the talents that the Lord has given to you. You lay that in heaven and it's not a waste and you're gonna be rewarded for those at the bema of seat of Christ when we get to heaven. So no, nothing that we do for the Lord will ever be wasted. Moving forward, So much of our time and energy and money is in vain. May we, as the Lord would instruct us and guide us according to his will, cause us to evaluate how we're using our time, how we are using our talents, how are we using our treasures. May we use it all to further his kingdom. And I close with this poem. We only have one life to live and it's gonna soon pass. And only what we do for Christ will last. Let's pray.